0: What we found It's a big sound In a small town Far from the bright lights They're making music Every night Hear what is all around It's a big sound In a small town It's a big sound In a small town It's a big sound In a small town and mm-hmm. Thank you.
1: Casey Dreesen we're at the Earl Scruggs Festival hey hey Hey, hey. so uh, we'll talk about violin
2: yeah well I got my uh, I got my main axe with me it's the instrument I take everywhere I go it's uh, it made in 2000 uh, by a man named John Silikowski who happened to just pass away this last Saturday on August 27th
0: Wow. I
1: mean I, and I, so you've had this violin t- 22
2: years 22 years yep and i had uh so this is the interestingly enough i this is the 22nd five string that john made
1: oh that is weird yeah yeah it is a little strange there i guess guess. that's
2: only going to happen once isn't it right yeah and then uh before this instrument i had his third five string that he had made and i had that from 95 to well i still have it but i I started playing five string on one of his instruments in 1995. oh
1: Okay. I guess this is an upgrade over the other one. I mean.
2: Yes, actually it is. Uh, you know, when I was at, I, I was at college during those years when I was playing the, that other five string right. and uh, I was getting ready to graduate and I'm sure it was some sort of conversation sort of about what are you going to do? Where are you going to go after school? And, and one of my teachers was telling me that um, uh, I think you need a better instrument and i had never really thought about that i was just so excited to have a fifth string that right. i didn't really think about you know i wasn't comparing it in terms of tone and volume to other instruments right. and then i kind of realized yeah i guess it is a little quieter and i guess it's a little thin on the low end i mean it was uh, it was one of John's earliest five strings that he had made, and so I got in touch with John and said, uh, you know, hey, what do you got going on these days, Are you, you know, doing anything cool with five strings? And turns out he had a new batch ready, and he was making some innovations and, you know, or at least developments from when I got that first sure. instrument. He sent me a couple to try out, and it was far superior than what I was playing, and were so all, that's they, what I got now.
1: Were they all, all the ones you sent superior?
2: Yeah, he sent me two of them. I think he had like a batch of 10. I think he would right. make in batches of 10. And uh, and I think uh, there were two that weren't spoken for yet. Right. And so he sent those two to me, and both of those, you know, uh, were far superior to my instrument I was playing. And so this is the one that I ended up choosing.
1: That is really cool.
2: Yeah, it's awesome. I love it.
1: Okay, for my fiddle people.
2: Yeah. Uh,
1: let's talk string gauges that you use or how, how, how you're, you know, because I know they have no idea. Well, let's talk tuning, let's simplify. Let's talk okay. tuning first. Tuning, yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, so how is it tuned?
2: Well, uh, so it's well, it's a five string fiddle. Right. Uh, so it has the top four strings of a regular violin. Right. So E, A, D, G. Right. And then it has the low uh, string of a viola. Sure. So it's violin and viola at the same time. Right. Uh, to be honest it doesn't quite sound like a standard violin and it doesn't sound like a standard viola it really kind of operates in this uh realm that is just kind of right between those two and that's
1: exactly what you were looking for i mean that puts you i
2: think so yeah, you know i'm not even sure what i was looking for to be honest but i, I know that i was looking for added range right. and i didn't really have a sound in mind but i had a range right. in mind and this, this satisfied that
1: and probably a tonal quality too to it.
2: Yeah, over time, like, um, being it, well, so this instrument versus my first one, uh, it, I was able to dig in more. I was able to pull more uh, tone out of it. Uh, uh, The sound was richer. I was able to pull out more volume. Uh, I had more dynamic range. Uh, So, I I mean, I think the instrument, when I got it, I was really excited by the new possibilities that it gave me.
1: And, okay, well, while we're on it, this is we'll veer just a little bit mm-hmm. so your bow
2: my bow yeah. oh yeah uh this bow is made by a man named john greenwood mm-hmm. and he's in san francisco or oakland it's is i think he's in san francisco and I, i'm sure hmm when did i get this i'm gonna say it was probably around 2008 2010 something like that it's my first real real bow yeah. and uh, <laughs> I get concerned about it when I, like I'm really careful where I put it down yeah. you know but I still take it everywhere I go I still play it everywhere and just like the instrument it gave me uh, a much wider range of tone and creativity and dynamics and it made it made things easier you know, to have these instruments, and uh, so I can hopefully go farther with them. I was
1: totally surprised when you pulled that, and then I saw the bow, and it was like, oh, he's walking around Tryon with, this instrument i mean this is my
2: i think they're meant to be played and, and this are. is my stuff you know yeah. <laughs> so and, and i'm not too precious about it i'm not a- afraid to play them i am careful about it but i want to play them and enjoy them and i think that's what these are are here for you i know? totally
1: agree uh, if it sits or if you baby it you sit it in a corner somewhere it actually you do it a disservice i believe because they're meant to be played all, yeah all instruments are meant to be played as opposed to I mean, you can have collector items. Like sure, this. I mean, I think there's
2: a a, a nice thing about the a, an instrument having a long life. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's great. Uh, it needs to be taken care of in order to and to have that. Um, but I think those instruments that have a long life and are played, you know, they have an even deeper sound mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, more rich uh, history to they them as a an instrument.
1: They take lot their own too. I mean, it's yeah, the kind of like As a person, they age. You know, and and I can tell you
2: everything that's happened with this instrument at this point. See, and, and, and <laughs> which was, is kind of a fun idea. I was,
1: uh, yeah, I, you know, I was kind of curious how much you've had to tweak it since you've had it. Since you take it everywhere.
2: Yeah, you know, I uh, I fooled around with different bridges on it. Um, you know, different tail pieces, different chin rests, different shoulder rests. All the things that you can basically adjust on right. it. I have fooled around with adjusting and at this point I've kind of settled on these various components right. and have been happy with them and have, I have a backup fiddle and I have yeah. since put those same, you know, set that backup just fiddle just, as, like that one. just like this yeah. one here. Yeah. That's great. Um, you know, general maintenance and a uh, little tweakings here and there. That's
1: good because I know that violin has traveled in we probably, this is probably a segue maybe, but you know, it has been in a lot of different climates in a lot oh, of different absolutely. places. Yeah. I mean, I mean, not as well as you the violin has traveled the world
2: oh sure yeah it's been around a few times um you know i think i started uh taking international travels well in 2000 you know right after i got this instrument i graduated college and moved down right. to nashville tennessee and i started playing some gigs with uh, people like Alison brown mm-hmm. and tim o'brien mm-hmm. and uh, i was fortunate enough to go on some international trips with them on a very early time in my career, early time in being in Nashville, and so this instrument and I got to start to explore the world together.
1: Is that where that sit in? I mean I didn't know if you say was a world traveler as a child?
2: I wasn't really a world traveler as a child. Uh, I was a traveler as a child. You know my family spent a lot of time going to bluegrass festivals you know all across the US. Sometimes fiddle contests, but mainly bluegrass festivals and ones that were known for jamming right that's what yeah. we were interested in as sure. a family and uh so yeah we, we spent a lot of time traveling summers uh, together but my first real international travels were with different artists uh after i moved to nashville
1: and, and then i guess that sets you up for the path you've taken for the last few years? I think it
2: did. You know, uh, I would come home from these travels. Some of the first ones were uh, Finland, yeah, um, Ireland, Scotland, and England. Those wow. were like my first, uh, you know, abroad travels. Right. And I would come home from them feeling really, really inspired and uh, about the the differences or the new culture that I had experienced. Sure. And of course the musicians and the local music that yeah. I was experiencing oh, yeah. there. So I was just inspired as a musician and as a person. And I would tell my family about it. I would be very excited about it. And my my wife loves international travel. And we used to talk about how we could do this together and want to do this a little bit more together. And so for a while, we basically just said I was doing recon for us as a family, which turned out to be true.
1: Well, I it- I guess it has and you but not just travel you've actually basically taken up residency sometimes yeah so i mean you need to talk about that i mean how is it sure as opposed to traveling how is it in living in you know and how did you choose the places that you chose you know yeah
2: well so basically what ended up happening is uh in 2015 we moved to valencia spain and I took a position directing a performance masters program at Berkeley College of Music's mm-hmm. first international campus, and uh, this opportunity came up. I applied for it, and I went for an interview, and got the job (laughs) and basically came home and said, uh, I think we're moving to Spain. (laughs) And so I had full support from my family and we went there and we lived there for uh, almost five years. And it was an amazing experience to uh, just to just to have an international living uh, lifestyle. Did
1: your, did your music change from five years there? I mean, did you, did you pick up more of Hmm. the, you know, I think if my music changed, it was more
2: maybe a mental uh, thing Okay. where, you know, I was I was very busy working at this university. And uh, so I, I came into contact with musicians, students from all around the world, what? but also professors from all around the world and visiting artists right. from everywhere. And we're talking not just around the world, but different styles as oh, well. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, I was exposed to a lot of different uh, inspiring music and people through right. that experience, I mean, and I'm sure that that has had something to do with my music. and And I can draw some some comparisons, or little things that I worked on from this or that. But I think the most the biggest thing is the uh, exposure to the different people and the ideas that it gets going in your head.
1: The other side of of that is that you would be exposing them to what you do, which is which is for them would be a totally different i suppose so yeah
2: you know i was always trying to ask people to show me a little bit about what you do and if they you know want to hear a little bit what i'm doing that's fine too or let's try and play some music together and find some middle ground you know and that's really kind of what the other lands project is ends up being about you know it's kind of talk
1: about that while we're here
2: sure well uh so after i finished this time in spain it was i'm gonna say it was 2019 finished the school year and uh, we knew we were gonna be moving back to the US as a family and uh, if, if I can back up about sure. a decade, I'm yeah. gonna say that um, I had a moment uh, with a friend where we were doing a little bit of brainstorming, thinking about the little life goal searching type mm-hmm. of situation and trying to figure out what are the important things in life and we made this little list that, you know, uh, the top four things on my list were uh, were being a father and a husband. I was just, I just had my first kid at this right. time. And, uh, world travel was up there. Collaboration was up there and, uh, percussion project, percussion uh, project. yeah, or are fiddle percussion, right. yeah, you know, yeah, chopping actually, Yeah, chopping. Yeah. And so those were the top things. And I, it started, so I started to think about how could I tie these things together if possible? And it was like, well, what if I could travel, the world, you know, through music with my family and collaborate with people. Like, how can you tie these things together? Is it possible? So that dream was there a long time ago. And when I was finishing up my time in Spain, uh, we knew that our, well, somebody was living in our house back in the States and our stuff was in storage there. And then we were sending stuff home to the States from Spain. It's going to be on a boat for three months. And, um, we didn't really have anything we were necessarily going specifically back to. And my wife uh, said, well, maybe we should try this thing that we kind of talked about a long time ago. Would you want to do that? And of course the answer was yes. And we decided that uh, we would basically take the long way home and uh, live in these different countries as opposed to just, touring yeah
1: sure and there's a difference i mean there is a difference. i mean there's it's not the same
2: absolutely and being with the family is a different thing too oh yes true you know when i was usually when you're traveling on the road as a musician unless you're doing a camp which is a one week commitment usually yes you know you got well you're in a place for one week right you know or in a a certain set of days normally when you're on the road you're in a place for one or two days you know and then you move on and that's not the way that it works with a family it
1: works better uh when you can take them or you know
2: well you yeah so what i what we realized is that we can if if we hang out in a place for a little bit longer, we get to know the area, we get to know the people. With there's, I mean, we're living in these places too, we're not just passing through. We have to figure out where the grocery stores are, like, how are we getting our money? Uh, what are we doing about laundry? Like, how do we what's our public transportation situation like? You know, there's all these other sort of logistics sure. of living, and having a little bit more time allows you to get closer to the people and yeah. the area that you're in. So, we Basically, if we could, we put it one to two weeks, you know, in a location. You know, sometimes it would be even longer.
1: Uh, I guess that's also great education for your children.
2: I, I think so. Mean, I, I hope would so. Think, I would think, it was, I would think <laughs> we'll it find was, out yeah. what happens. <laughs> yeah, you know, we'll yeah. see we'll see how it ends <laughs> up, you know. But but uh, honestly, I, th- I do think that it has been a great experience for her. And, you know, see, she is uh, fluent in Spanish now from us living oh, yeah. in in Spain and uh, I think she's also very aware of other people's lives, yeah. and uh, you know maybe they have a unit in school on uh, life in India, but she has experienced right. life in India and knows what it's like with the food and the cultures and the people and the places there, and that is a that is a lot different, a lot deeper experience than just book learning for her and I think it's making her a more understanding and aware person is well, so what I would like to Well, has
1: been think. In, in the places you've been are totally different than the United States. For sure. You? I mean, well, while we're on that too, so is, has it been hard to adjust to, have you had a language barriers in different places? Uh, That have been problematic.
2: Sure. Well, I wouldn't say that nothing that's insurmountable. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, In many of these places we went. So we we were in Spain, Ireland and Scotland. Um, Then we went to India and we went to Japan and then we went to Finland. Right. And of all these places, I guess Japan is the one that had the... The least amount of english right. where we were at yeah, but that we is. still found a fair amount of that sure. and in different places in india where we were the uh language barrier uh because
1: there's so many languages there i mean yes even, yeah there's
2: but lot. english is one that people uh, many That's people right. do speak yeah. there uh so we didn't have that many language challenges but those were the two countries where sometimes you know, we we do our best to communicate in words what we can find. And then when we realize you can't, uh, well, this idea, I don't know how else to explain this idea. We we, we smile and laugh and then we play some music sure. and we just enjoy being in each other's company. How
1: about food? Has that been an adjustment from country to country?
2: Sure. yeah, Absolutely. Yeah.
1: People don't think about that, you know, but it is. I mean, it's, it's a challenge when you go to any new country to like. What can we really eat or yep. what can we find that works for us?
2: Yeah. You know, we we like to experience the food of the sure. places that we're in. And so we don't mind, you know, branching out yeah. and, and exploring some of those things. Uh, but...
1: I mean, that is part of the culture of doing that. Absolutely. Whole
2: deal, I mean. But sometimes, you know, you, you're getting into a place and they have names for very common things that's, that, you know, uh, uh, popular dishes, but you don't necessarily know those names. And so <laughs> yeah. you have to kind of figure out what are the things that you end up enjoying. Yeah. Um, you know, I would say that's in, uh, the, uh, well, in Japan, generally you're eating with chopsticks, right. you know, and that's yeah. something that's fine for us, but that yeah. may be a change for some people. Right. Um, Trying to read a menu in Japan was very difficult, you know. I'm thankful when pictures are there. Sure. And other than that, you just sort of take a chance sometimes, you know.
1: I mean, it's part of the adventure.
2: Absolutely. (laughs) In India, uh, eating with hands, our hands was the other uh, adventure, and there is an art to it. You know, in my first day of eating with my hands, I – my friends that were with me they noticed my struggle and then they gave me some tips about how you use your thumb and how you hold your fingers and how you kind of are able to get things sure. into the place that you need to get them <laughs> in a relatively clean way yeah so i yeah, mean that's, right, right. it's a fun experience
1: yeah oh yeah I'm, I'm sure it is and plus music has been there uh the whole time the whole time the whole time and that is i mean well they all go hand in hand you you know you, you got the culture experience and the music and so talk about the difference is how much difference say is the music in Finland as opposed to Japan.
2: Mm, that's a great question. Um, hmm. So I guess if we're talking about those two countries I mean we're, we're generally all using the same notes yeah, right. We've right. all got the yeah, same God. notes yeah. within our instruments. Right. I mean, sometimes there are microtones that are being used in certain places, sure. but for the most part, we're in. You know, we've got the same chromatic scale. Um, what I found to be challenging sometimes was forms of songs. You know, we have a very um, well. I guess it's predictable for me because i in bluegrass or fiddle tunes because sure. I've grew up. You know, playing them. Um, But those forms might not be as common, or there are other common forms in other cultures Mm -hmm. that, you know, they play an A part, then a B part, then they return to the A part, then they play a C part, then they return to the A part. And maybe it's just sort of an A prime part, you know, it's just (laughs) with the, you know, it's shortened and then they go on to this other section. You know, and trying to keep those things straight Mm -hmm. was always a, a, a bit of a challenge for me. And then when I was playing with people who were uh, vocalists, right. it's sometimes challenging for me to understand, okay, have we changed from the verse into the chorus now? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, because yeah. the, if the, if, when we're not singing in the English, which right. is many times the case, uh, I don't have the distinction of the parts because I'm not understanding right. the words.
1: And that's hard because you don't have the music to back it. Yes, okay. you have a you have a vocal to match for your music as opposed yeah. to well, what we went out even talking about uh, as there's another instrument to lead you along.
2: Sure, I mean there are usually other instruments there, and I am playing along with them, but sometimes I just don't understand. Okay have i heard this lyric before as in like as in like a chorus that is a repetition like i don't recognize the language enough to know that i've may have heard this before right you know so i might have to hear the song a number of times to understand okay here's the chorus here's the verse right and okay then i would also spend time asking people what the songs are about sure you know because i don't it helps inform the things that i might Play and yeah. places that I might sure. play if I know about the story that's happening there. So, um, playing instr- music, instrumental music versus vocal music in different countries and uh, different languages sure is that a different experience.
1: Ta- yeah, I'm sure that's tougher than playing instrumental music because. And, but there again, you're right. Different cultures have. Uh, yeah, it's not just uh, verse, verse, chorus, maybe a bridge. I mean, you know, you go to, yeah. That would be hard.
2: Yep, there are different refrains that are happening and sometimes I in I guess in Japan we have played some traditional music that sometimes I I you know, I couldn't really figure out what was happening with the form. Like I recognize this little part and I hear it happening later and it sounds like it's the same sort of phrase. But the other time it's longer and this time it's shorter but then sometimes i think about well in bluegrass we have the situation where somebody might wait a little bit longer after they finish the chorus before the break starts Three, you know yeah. it might not be two beats it might be four beats True. or it might be six beats and it's sort of like something that the musicians are feeling sometimes in the moment
1: in bluegrass this time it might be two and next time it might absolutely be four.
2: absolutely and but you, but you know what to listen for you do
1: but you do you got you got the notes that'll trigger what's going to happen in bluegrass i mean you you played it a lot. yeah. Even if they go one time, one way, and the other, just because someone broke concentration or someone, you know. You know
2: I still go. know how to follow along on that, yeah. you yeah. know? Yeah. And I can, I can uh, adjust on the fly more quickly than in another culture, yeah, That's,
1: uh, So, or, okay, you're back now.
2: Yep, I'm back now. Uh, came it? back in the middle of the pandemic. Yes, and I will say yes. that uh, it wasn't quite the homecoming we thought it might be. Uh, But I'm really, really happy, so fortunate feeling that we were able to do this trip before COVID existed. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, So we finished our trip in, you know, during covid right uh but at the time that we started nobody had any idea that this stuff was going to happen And so i'm really really thankful that i was it able to have been
1: this. totally different it i don't COVID.
2: know if it would have happened yeah I don't, to be yeah, honest I mean,
1: you still <laughs> and it would you be totally different you may sure. have been in spain the whole time yeah i mean i mean it's possible you know i mean yeah so that actually is kind of a cool blessing you know
2: it is and uh you know in a a crazy way when my wife and I were thinking about doing this trip we even sort of tossed around the idea of should we wait another year before we do this you know it's a good thing that we just trusted our gut in this but yeah we're back now
1: but now that you're back does life seem kind of mundane after that
2: Uh, (laughs) ah mundane is an interesting well I definitely spent a lot of time at home recently (laughs) (laughs) Uh I, I, I did take a couple of international trips this I year. You did say that you did. And I went to Italy and I went to the Czech Republic right. and dipped down into Slovakia for a bit. Yeah. And it felt really, really good to be back out back. there
0: it yeah.
1: felt natural to you didn't it as Absolutely. opposed to just sitting home after after that yeah yeah
2: yeah it was uh, it was interesting to kind of come home in a world that didn't have anything going on for yeah. musicians you know it we didn't. thought we might step back into our old lives but uh there wasn't an old life to step back into
1: that might make it easier to bridge into the to a constant international well,
2: certainly, you mm-hmm. got to figure out what your solution is going to be and what do you want to spend your time doing. And I think we, a lot of us did a lot of soul searching in these last couple of yeah. years trying to figure out yeah. okay, what is the important direction that I would like to go right now? And for me, I know that international travel and collaboration is part that has to be there.
1: How hard is that? How hard is it to, for you to coordinate musicians? So you're going to, mm. let's say, I us pick somewhere you haven't been. Okay. Where would you like to go? Okay, so we'll choose Greece.
2: Okay, how hard is
1: that for you to to find musicians?
2: Um, I don't know. I haven't tried, but (laughs) uh, I have a couple of friends who uh, who have Greek backgrounds. Right, and one is a student from when I was uh, an uh, instructor at the school. Right, and another one is a, a professor that worked there. And so my first thing I would do would be reach out to them. And uh, so you, you kind of let the, your web of you know, musician friends true. sort of uh, direct these things. And sometimes they're tuning you into a friend of theirs right. or sometimes it's just like, hey, this is a person that you need to, if you, true, if you're, if you wanna hear uh, some traditional Greek music, yeah, right. you gotta check this person out. Right. And so then you do that and then maybe you try and contact that person and that, Turns into something else, but it it really is a, it happens through uh, relationships. And I mean, there have been a couple of cold calls, to be honest, on my part. I would
1: think there would have to be. Some of them
2: work, some of them don't. Um, Yeah, I like to try and go someplace that I at least have, you know, some sort of lead.
1: Sure, because Andy Pond told me about going with a future man to India. Okay. And he was saying they had nothing, you know. Uh-huh. I mean, I mean, they got there and they literally had to figure out where they were going to play. Yeah. And he okay. said then they went back a second time, and of course they had contacts and sure. it was better. But he said the first time they got there and it was like, we don't have any jobs. He's like, I'm working on it. I'm working. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, so, you know, and, and well, that's one way to
2: have an adventure, also. Yeah, it is. And and yeah. he
1: said, I. Uh, I also think John Stickley's violinist was. Yeah, part Lindsay. Of that. Yeah, Lindsay was part of that. Yeah, she, yep, she was. Podcast. She's, a, she's a fun person. Yeah, she's great. She is. Um, yeah, I
2: think the. The, the, a question that I do get from time to time is like, how do I find these folks? Yeah. And it's really all manner of ways, you know, it's through previous travels of mine of, you know, like being out with Allison Brown yeah. and like that first sure. trip I took, you know, yeah. with her, uh, to just reaching out to friends and also sometimes just a random uh, note out on Facebook, and i say hey who should i meet anybody got any suggestions where should Uh, i go i'm going to be in italy what do you suggest and then that's really sometimes that turns out some amazing uh leads sure
1: i mean i'm sure it does
2: it's a big network you know and it's pretty cool to think about how it's all kind of kind of it
1: is i mean it really is and and you know well you just shared a, a real light on the fact that when people say you know well everyone talks about you know music is an international language But sometimes it's a a hard translation. I mean, Mm -hmm. you just prove that just because you're fluent in uh, uh, a five-string instrument sometimes makes it hard to transition to, say, a, well, we'll just use sitar music. I mean, they're string, but they're, Mm -hmm. uh, you know... Sometimes yeah. it's not as universal as people think. I, I, I think.
2: Correct. You have to find. You have to kind of find the middle ground and and try and understand. You know how. What are the conventions of this music? How do. Uh, how do collaborations work? When somebody sits down with another musician, you know, is there a leader in this situation? What is the etiquette that happens? You know, how are the structures of these songs? And so, I'm really kind of asking questions and listening a lot to people. And what, I'm trying to learn how the much, whole thing. how
1: much listening you had to do before you actually did much playing. I mean, you know, I try and
2: my, my, my ideal was, uh, okay. A couple of weeks before I go to this country, I'm going to start and, sure. you know, prep my ears for it. Mm-hmm. But in reality, it wasn't really until I got to that country because Two weeks before I traveled, I was in another country, and I was still having experiences in Scotland, for example. So I was trying to keep my head in that game, and then go to India, and you know I start to, you know, think about different music I've heard, and I just start listening and listening and listening, and uh, asking friends questions, and trying. Do do
1: you, when you play with these musicians, do you just try to find your place in their music, or are you trying to? You know, or you're, tr- or you're you're you trying to learn about their music. I mean, you're there to play it depends on how much time we have. Yeah.
2: You know, sometimes there's there's not enough time for a, a full lesson. Maybe you only have two hours right. together, you know? And so you're sort of taking some cues. Well, here's some rhythms that I'm hearing. Right. Here's a role that I could, I could, you know, fill in this music right. versus if I'm there for a whole day with somebody, we can, they can show me a little bit deeper, uh, example of the, the, the uh, conventions, you know, that the music would have. So it's a, it's really, d- it depends on the musicians and how much time we okay. have together.
1: Is the chop universal? <laughs>
2: <laughs> the chop, I don't know. There are definitely people that are chopping on the instrument in many different parts of the world in many different cultures. Yeah. Um, it is, the ability to play rhythm on right. this instrument has certainly helped me to, uh, to join different musical situations. Sure, I'm,
1: I'm sure that would maybe at times be the fastest um, uh universal thing because the way to join in yes yeah because sure. it would be rhythmic i mean yeah and that's the that would rhythm part is easier than than you know i mean well then learning a whole melody yeah, exactly. of a song yes, or something yes, like that is, yeah
2: yes. absolutely um but still got to figure out what the chords are well, you know they're, they're yeah, trying to remember yeah. where they changed True, yeah. you know uh but i I do agree that it has made things a little bit easier in a, in a sense to just sit down with somebody and play and be able to play some rhythm with right. them. And honestly, when I'm in these places, I like to find out who is, like what happens in the rhythm, Right. you yeah. know, like oh, who yeah. are the rhythm players sure. yeah. and try and listen to them and try mm-hmm. and uh, pull some of what they do and i uh, try and trying apply it to my instrument.
1: You, you realize also that, uh how many people are out there working? Working bluegrass musicians now learn the chop from your videos.
2: Oh, I don't. I mean, I don't know where people get it. <laughs> there are well. So the family tree works like this. There's uh Richard Green, sure, who started it, mm-hmm. right. And then the first person he taught that to was Daryl Anger, right. And then Daryl took it to the Terrell Island String Quartet, right. The group that he was yes. in, and I came at it actually from a different way. I was trying to learn to fill the mandolin role before I knew about Daryl's work right. as a chopping musician sure. or or Richard Green's. And so uh, I was kind of developing something and then somebody heard it and said, Oh, you should check out Daryl Anger and the Turtle Island String Quartet. Right. And so then I kind of went backwards and found, you know, the things that they were doing. Right. But it's really through those two folks that, you know, things have spread a lot so i guess i'd be a third generation of this.
1: and richard would be rooted in bluegrass yeah but 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 daryl you know that's that's not really bluegrass so i see so many bluegrass players playing today with your chop and sometimes i'll because i set them up i guess sometimes i said where'd you learn where'd you learn that chop or or Casey recent video
2: Oh, okay. Well, you know, and there's, I don't know where people are learning there's, it.
1: There's, <laughs> there's three, there's three, been three fiddlers on this, um, on the show this week. Okay. This weekend that I've asked them, and that's what they told me.
2: Okay. Well, that's nice to hear. So,
1: and yeah. then, and then um, so
2: yeah. I appreciate that. Well, I mean, really, Daryl and and Richard have been. Uh, big influences on on me for sure and also like other mandolin players is because well, it
1: is a mandolin chop yeah i was learning part.
2: sam bush sort of stuff sure. trying to like fill his role but figure out how to do it on the fiddle and at college i was playing with a bunch of drummers and electric bass players mm-hmm. kind of funk music yeah. and r&b stuff and so i was trying to apply those things and
1: so also anyway. all right one other one other question sure uh let's talk looping okay uh uh you're kind of the king of looping there in, uh, in, a, in acoustic music that okay. is not, that is, you know. There's not a lot
2: of looping done within the bluegrass circles. Exactly. Yes.
1: Yeah. And uh, you're like the king of it and probably still are. I mean, do you loop much anymore? I do. Still
2: um, do? Yeah. I don't do it as much as I was, you know, I started this project called The Singularity, mm-hmm. uh, which I really focused on that. Uh, occasionally I do some looping gigs here and there, but it's not a as a primary focus is right now for me as wow. that was. Um, I still have all my pedals set up in my music room and I practice with them all the time. You know, I, looping is a great practice tool. It's a great compositional tool. Uh, so I do that and then a gig will come up and i think yeah i should work up some new arrangement of something and i'm just going to be me there on my own and so now i've worked up some looping arrangements of some of the tunes i've learned while i was abroad with right. my other lands projects yeah. so i can present them in a solo way oh, yeah. but also provide a little bit of the Inside looping of quality yeah 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 so yeah i'm still doing it
1: okay well that's that's good uh david holt told me he said i was asking david about his suit you know, okay. his handballing suit yeah and david said it was great. It was really great. And it was becoming my legacy. So I decided I didn't spend all this time being a real musician for it, for me to come down to being, I'm wearing a blue suit with triggers on it. Yeah. So he said, I I went away from it. And he said, it was one of my most popular things. Mm -hmm. And he said, that's just not what I wanted.
2: Sure. I think you go through phases of different... You know, creative uh, moments, right. you know, I still enjoy it, but uh, I don't know that I am interested right now in uh, con- continuing a, uh, only doing a, a live looping right. situation,
0: exactly. yeah, I you know, there's that.
2: a lot of gear that you got to take yeah, around there is too, you there. know, and so you got to like, do I want to, you know, pay for an extra bag?
1: <laughs> also, did you, did you, when you would do that, did you, did you change them up? I mean, was it new each time or did you have some of those loops? You knew what you were going to do.
2: Well, the forms of them are generally figured out because you are. um, You're doing. Your forms are determined by the. The mechanics of the pedals that you have, yeah. you know, and so my looper had certain characteristics and a certain number of tracks, and it could fade in or fade out, or it could, uh, they could play locked together, or they mm-hmm. could be independent from each other. So you kind of learn that box like a device, uh, like another instrument. Sure you do, yeah. Uh, so the ways that you get to have, um, I would say. Um, Different things happen from night to night yeah. is just uh, one by human nature and sort of you make mistakes and sure. <laughs> things don't go the way that you were expecting. Yeah. And then you have to figure out how to, uh, well, either I stop or I continue with a new w- idea. Yeah. Uh, so that's one way. But y- usually within the arrangements, there's places for improvisation. And within the improvisation, there's the flexibility and the looping, the the loop can can go and go until you decide to change it to something else. So you do have flexibility in that terms for improvisation and to kind of change it up from night to night. That's cool. You know, one of the things that I started doing, because you're right, sometimes they do uh, like, okay, here's this the same arrangement again, is that I kind of figured out I'm going to. I don't know, 10, 15 minutes. I'm just going to improvise a whole looped piece, right. you know, and that would be different every night. Right. And that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, I can see it, you where it's It's kind of a tightrope in a way, it, you
1: it know. A of, I can see it can be disastrous. Yeah, well, for some me, are better than be, others. Yeah, it can be very <laughs> disastrous for me. It'd be, oh, I don't even know where I'm at. Oh, let's quit, you know. Uh,
2: well, that's why you got to practice the pedals like they're <laughs> yeah. an instrument, really. Oh, well, you
1: do, really. Yeah. I mean, it is, it, and because they are in its own sense, as much as electronic music is. I mean,
2: they're a tool that you're using to create your music, sure. for sure. And, uh,
1: and sometimes it's every bit as complicated as the instrument you're playing.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. well, and then you're dealing with power and you're, really? you know, those types of things and electronic stuff going, sure. you know, haywire.
1: What was the first song you learned on the violin?
2: Oh, I'm sure it was probably like a, a Twinkle, Twinkle Little Star or a Happy Birthday or a boiling Cabbage. Did you,
1: did, you, did you? Those are the
2: first Classic ones.
1: Did you actually take lessons as a child? Or, uh, mm-hmm. I did good.
2: Suzuki for yeah, about two Suzuki. years. Yeah. And my dad uh, was a, he was playing banjo and pedal steel guitar when I was starting the instrument. And so he was playing those around the house and he kind of, he got me started right. and he would sort of oversee my practicing and kind of direct
1: mm-hmm. me, you know. And I try to tell people Suzuki is great because it's basically ear training. You yeah. Know? And so I, I, you know, people ask me about well, you know, my child's taking violin lessons and he or she's taking Suzuki. Yeah, it's great, because it's um, ear training.
2: Yeah, you learn how to hold the instrument, how to treat it. You learn also, you you, uh, learn some technique and then it was also
1: training your ears. So we did that for a couple of years. Yeah, that's good. And and then, so I guess it all changed when you went to college. So I mean, I guess that was a whole different bag, wasn't it?
2: I mean, I was playing, uh, I actually studied music production and engineering in school. Yeah. I went to the recording studios. Right. Uh, I did take lessons and I did do ensembles right. and different things like that. Uh, but I was playing so yeah. much. Yeah, You I know, I was yeah. doing a ton before I got to school. Right. It, it wasn't really my uh, introduction sure. to playing in ensembles. Right. You know, It was more like, uh, what can I get from this experience here that I can't get otherwise and it was learning how to make records you know I like obviously technology so being in a studio is a fun place for me
1: that's pretty cool what's what's going forth from here
2: going forth well I'm continuing my other lands project and uh, trying to continue to travel Uh, I've got uh, a bunch of material that I have collected from various trips that is uh, being edited currently. Right, I
1: so, we are going to do, release some of that yep. stuff.
2: So, I got that to work on. There's a record that I'm producing of a, a local duet cellist and a, a guitarist, and they sing and write original material together. And so, I'm recording, mixing, producing that. And I do a bunch of teaching and I play different gigs that are right. solo or, you know, playing for different folks here sure. and there. You know, it's a. It's the life of the independent musician. Yeah, busy guy. Yeah. And
1: when that's what you want to be.
2: Now I know. That's a, so that's good. I'm thankful.
1: I thank you for coming by and doing this.
2: Thanks very much for having me. Appreciate it.
0: You're welcome.